Mike check. Mike check one two one two. Mike check one two one two. It's a taste to consider podcast. Yes, we back for another episode. Let's go. Taste to consider podcast. Back in elementary, thrived on misery. Left me alone, I grew up amongst a dime breed. Inside my mind, couldn't find a place to rest. Until I got that dog like tatted on my chest. Tell me, can you feel me? I'm not living in the past. You wanna last? Be the first to blast. Remember Cato? No longer with the seat, the seats. Call on the sirens. Seen them murdered in the streets. Now rest in peace. Is there heaven for a G? Remember me? So many homies in the cemetery shed so many tears. Ah. I suffered through the years and shed so many tears. Lord, I lost so many pigs and shed so many tears Now that I'm struggling in this business by any means Label me greedy, getting green, but seldom seen And fuck the world cause I'm cursed I'm having visions of leaving here in the hurts God, can you feel me? Take me away from all the pressure and all the pain Show me some happiness again, I'm going blind I spent my time in the cell, ain't living well I know my destiny is hell, what did I fail? My life is in denial, and when I die Baptized in eternal fire, shed so many tears Say you stick and the podcast. So many tears and shed so many tears. Now I'm lost and I'm weary. So many tears. I'm suicidal, so don't stand near me. My every move is a calculated step to bring me closer to embracing early death. Now there's nothing left. There was no mercy on the streets. I couldn't rest. I'm barely standing, about to go to pieces, screaming peace. And though my soul was deleted, I couldn't see it. I had my mind full of demons trying to break free. They planted seeds and they hatched, sparking the flame inside my brain like a match. Such a dirty game. No memories, just a misery. Painting a picture of my enemies killing me in my sleep Will I survive till the moan and the see the sun? Please Lord forgive me for my sins, cause here I come Say sick and sit up podcast Yes Say you stick and sit up podcast I'm back for another episode Yes, I know it's been a minute Let's get right into introing the show It's a taste to consider podcast. I'm your host, Derek Silver. And I'm back, back for another episode. Different, <laughs> different type of uh, recording for me. Um, if I sound a little off, it's because it is, it is morning. <laughs> I, I don't, I have never recorded this early before, ever. I like to... I'm a person of routine. I like to have a certain routine about things um, in my life. And, you know, I like to stick to that. It makes me feel comfortable and stuff. But this is definitely not routine. (laughs) It is uh, December 23rd, Friday morning. 
Uh, what time is it right now? It is 8.59. I have never recorded this early ever in my life. Um, I can't even think of <laughs> the earliest I've ever recorded a show um, for my podcast or when we was recording back with the uh, UNU days. Um, maybe late afternoon, probably, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, like, y'all know I have a taste when I record and I pregame and have a taste. The taste for this episode right now is lemon, ginger, and turmeric tea. <laughs> yeah, um, I've been sitting on this, this show for, uh, couple days a few days um i had a show that i wanted to record um but then uh the suicide of uh twitch happened and you know i'm sure everybody knows who twitch is at this point um i wanted to record like around right after um, the news of his suicide happened and, you know, just talk about some of the things that, uh, I was thinking of, uh, some of the feelings that I had, um, but I decided not to because, um, at that point, my feelings and thoughts was kind of all over the place because it was like a lot of crazy stuff going on on social media, um, Somehow, some way, the argument, debate, discussion of black men versus black women has to come up somehow, some way, with any and every fucking topic. And that came up during <laughs> this tragic news and this incident and stuff. It was just crazy. And um, I was angry, I was frustrated. Um, what else? I'm trying to, um, think about all the feelings that I had around the news and seeing all the stuff on social media and stuff. I definitely was angry. I was frustrated with, um, a lot of things. Um, a little irritated, um, definitely, um, sad to a degree um hearing news about a a black man committing suicide um definitely was um something that i internalized a little bit um but yeah something just made me just come down here and just record and just say let me just do the show um so I really don't have um I I didn't do an outline for the show. I have some clips and you know um as I talked about how I put my shows together, I usually write out an outline as well as I have an outline in my phone or uh with clips and stuff like that that I put down on the actual paper for the written outline, but I didn't write an outline out. I just have um you know, the stuff in my phone. So it might seem like I'm all over the place or I'm, you know, going from one aspect of this topic of black men and suicide and 
mental illness and and stuff like that. But um, so just bear with me. I'll say that. Just bear with me. Let me drink some more tea. Yeah, this just feels so weird. I just feel so awkward right now recording <laughs> this early at this time. Yeah, so let me pull up uh, my stuff. Let me make sure my phone is on Do Not Disturb. Uh, yeah, just hearing uh about a, a black man um dying period whether he was murdered committed suicide or whatever um it can always be a situation where you see yourself you internalize it but um let me start off with this the um suicide and crisis lifeline you can call or text it and it's three numbers is nine eight eight. That is nine eight eight. And that's the suicide and crisis lifeline. But yeah, um and and it's just crazy because you know with him committing suicide and you know, uh just this is just a, a real difficult time for a lot of people you know um we two days away from christmas and for me it doesn't feel like it i mean i don't come from a family that was really festive or anything like that um so the holidays are difficult for me um especially since you know like when social media came out and stuff like that because not that i'm necessarily comparing my um situation or anything like that but just seeing all of that stuff like that that can be you know um a trigger but you know you got these slate of holidays um in like a span of a few days you got thanksgiving then you got christmas and, and you got hanukkah you got kwanzaa depending on what you um what you believe in and all that other stuff and then you got new years and it's just like when when these days um come up i just be like i'm just ready for the day to be over with so i can get back to some normalcy <laughs> but you know to have to lose a loved one around this time is just crazy and then the fact that you know um just piggybacking on myself the fact that my birthday is like um sprinkled into the holiday season it is real it's real difficult for me and just to have to lose a loved one um around this time can just be difficult no matter how you lost them it's, it's difficult but um yeah just just been like a lot of thoughts about you know um Mental health, mental illness, depression, anxiety, suicide, and, you know, it's a lot of, a lot of different types of mental illnesses. And, like, I remember um, in the midst of everybody talking about um, 
the suicide of Twitch on social media and stuff. And like I was getting irritated because uh, you would see people talking about, you know, uh, why would he do this to his family? That's selfish and all that other stuff. And this is interesting because before, like, I really understood what was going on with me before I started going to therapy, before I started it being like an advocate for mental health and stuff like that. I was programmed to think that, you know, people who commit suicide, they are selfish. But once I really took the time to understand what mental health is, what mental illness is, then it made much more sense because, you know, we, we're so trained and programmed to only understand physical ailments, physical health, physical illnesses. And we can't even fathom that a person we know we had we know uh <laughs> we know that we have a form of we have a we know we have a mental state right we know we have a mental state we know we have a physical state and an emotional state but we're so programmed and we can't even understand that mental illnesses are real whether we want to believe it take the time to understand it it's real you know it is real and if we just sit back and just understand physical illnesses whether you had a physical illness or not and everybody has had one everybody has had a cold to some degree or whatever. So you know there's severities to physical illnesses. So what is so hard about people understanding that there can be severities to mental illnesses? But I think a lot of times outside of us just being programmed to only be so focused on physical health and physical illnesses that The way that we respond to when people commit suicide, it can be very telling of where our mental state actually is at that moment. Like the people who out here talking about, you know, he's selfish, he's selfish or whatever. You might have some that that is very that could be very telling of where your mental state is, whether you're shut off in some type of way. That you got some underlying um, anger or you don't know how to control your mental state, um, whatever. And let me say this before I go any further. I am not a mental health professional. When I talk about mental health, mental illnesses and stuff like that, I always use myself as, as an example. You know, I will give my opinion on certain things and. And all that, but when it comes down to it, I go off of my experiences, my personal experiences, whether it's coming directly from me or things that I've seen, heard, you know. But yeah, 
it could be very telling about where your mental state is, how you respond to this. Like if you getting overly emotional um, off of somebody that you don't you don't personally know, um, committing uh, suicide and stuff like that. It might be some ties to your own mental state and the things that you've gone through in your life or whatever that make you that emotional or on the other end with the people who talk the selfish talk that make you so hard in that moment. There's no balance there. It's, it's an extreme on either end. So that, that could be very telling about where your mental state is already. And even if you try to avoid avoid the news or avoid your feelings from it or whatever, that is just, you know, just routine, you know. I mean, you can, a lot of us black men and black people, period, we are immune to, to death. You know, we, we're so used to always seeing or hearing about somebody dying that's black in an extreme manner, whether it's through violence or, you know, mental illness. One second. Yeah, so take another sip of my tea before it gets cool. So back to, um, yeah, so how I knew of Twitch was um, I saw him on Stomp the Yard too, And I knew, you know, I saw him on there. He was a dancer. But I didn't even um, know about, you know, all the other stuff that he was doing with the Ellen Show and stuff like that. And one of the things that I do know about, you know, um, excuse me, burp number one. Yes, I burp in the morning too, even with drinking tea. Burp number two. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, what I do know about, you know, mental illness and, you know, suffering from um, depression and, you know, still having some struggles with anxiety and stuff like that, is that in though in though in these moments, you know, that you're dealing with all of that, you will create a a character, create a mask for yourself. And that character or that mask is started from maybe a young age or some traumatic experience that you've gone through in your life. Um, and it, it's there to protect you um, for for whatever reason, you know. Um, and, you know, I saw a lot of people just, you know, talking about, uh, well, he was always smiling and all that other stuff like that. Trust me. That doesn't mean anything. Like, you got to think about it. He was a performer. He probably been performing all his life. So one thing that he knew for sure was that he had to put on 
a performance. He had to put on a show. He had to um, be in character. So majority of the times that the general public would see him was when he was in character, when he was performing and stuff like that. So that smile was part of it. We don't know what was going on with him when those lights and cameras turned off. We don't know what was going on in the home. We don't know what was going on when he was spending time by himself. And that's one thing that I can definitely speak to because on the the outside world, um, even before I I came out uh, in 2016 and started being vocal about you know, uh, my struggles with depression and anxiety. People thought I had it all together. All I would hear, you good looking, you got a good job, you got your own home, you got a car, you know, you got a degree, you know, all materialistic things, you know, um, things that's on the outside. A lot of people still didn't believe me when I was <laughs> talking all this stuff, when I started my blog and all that other stuff. People still, it's certain people that still don't, I wouldn't say they don't believe me, but they don't get it. They don't understand. So, I've always been able to look as though I'm calm and collected. I can come off as being very nonchalant, like things don't really bother me or whatever. But that comes from me being, me learning how to internalize everything. And that started as a kid. I wasn't able to speak my feelings. I wasn't able to be um, outgoing. I wasn't able to be, to ask questions and stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? This is the environment that I came from as a kid. So naturally, I learned how to internalize everything. So when I got like in my my 20s and stuff like that, even not even in my 20s, because I remember like, shoot, no, matter of fact, period. Like with me internalizing everything, because as I was about to start, saying stuff I started having memories back in my mind I would have um moments where you would see me as being very quiet very chill and stuff like that but then I would have these these moments where I internalized or I held on things too much inside and I would have my blow-up periods and that's when I used to get like into a lot of fights and stuff like that um a lot of uh arguments and stuff and it just kind of like escalated as I got into my 20s and stuff so I will I will have like a lot of anger a lot of irritation and stuff like that because I used to hold so much stuff in and a lot of times when um I would get to the point where I would let things out a lot of times it didn't even really have anything to do with what was actually going on in the present moment. 
it's just those emotions was building up so much that a lot of things, other things were coming out of the pot at the same time. You know, you know, when you boil water or whatever, you boil it for too long, it's going to start bubbling over if you're not checking it. But, yeah, a lot of majority of us, if not all of us, I, I feel like it's all of us. But like I said, I'm I'm no clinical expert, but I feel like everybody out here has a character at, for some reason, you know, that they use or unconsciously or consciously in different spaces, different settings around different people, people that make them feel a certain way or whatever. But you just don't know what's going on. <clears throat> Excuse me. You just don't know what's going on in somebody's mind when they're alone or when they're not, you know, in the workplace or when they're not around their family and friends and stuff like that. I came across this um this tweet cuz I follow a lot of uh therapists um and this one is from um this black male therapist that I follow and he talks about um he talks a lot about uh how you know he's had moments where he's tried to commit suicide or whatever and his name is uh Jay Barrett. Um this tweet says men are not dying by suicide because they don't want to live. They're dying because they feel they can no longer perform and there is no use for them. And that's what I was talking about. Like the way society has programmed us and I know I, I use a lot of the same words on this on this podcast, but it, it's for real, man. Like the fact that we we can't even see how programmed we are in a lot of situations, but men are programmed to look at it as like they are of only of two uses: money and sex. That's how a lot of them feel when it comes to how um, the opposite sex sees them, you know. Um, and it's, it's heightened when it comes to black men because of how society sees, you know, society as a whole sees us. And a lot of black men are out here just stressed. A lot of black men out here stressed. They're running on autopilot where they're just surviving. You know, it's not a lot of it's not a lot of black men out here that's really thriving. And the ones that are are thriving, they're only thriving on the outside when it comes to material aspects and stuff like that because we all know and it, it's funny because we always forget these these things until something tragic like this happens. We know we see all the time we've seen all the time, you know, celebrities people with money and stuff like that commit suicide and stuff they aren't happy you know money and all that other stuff may make life a little easier but it's not going to make you happy 
we are always taught to think that external things is what really makes us happy. You know, there we got we had uh, I don't even know if PE's physical edu- education is still in schools anymore. We have gym and all that other stuff in school, but we ain't never have no class on mental health and all that other stuff. You know what I'm saying? Because they don't society doesn't care about that. So they don't want you to care about it because they want to use you. They want us. They want us to be programmable. They want us to be dependent on them. So as long as, you know, we're dependent on them, we're going to keep trying to chase these things and perform for these things and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, it's a lot of performance out here. It's a lot of performance. It's a lot of people trying to survive. You know, a lot of times you'll see um, the class clown or the the person who got all the jokes and stuff like that. And that's that's a character as well. You know, a lot of times that that's just a defense mechanism to make a person feel comfortable in whatever space that they're in. Or, you know, to receive attention and, you know, um, what they may feel is love in that moment. You know, because somebody's paying attention to them. You know, to make them to feel safe in that moment. You know, um, they may feel uncomfortable, may f- have some form of anxiety. Um, you know, uh, who knows? You know, it's these these situations just always. can just you just never know what is going on with a person and 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 that's funny that I, I'm saying that right now because that's one of the things that was um kind of irritating me about all of this because with social media you know the cliches and the all all the other stuff is going to come out you know you never know what a person's going through you never know what a person's going through that shit was kind of like pissing me off and irritating me because it's like why do we wait to these these moments happen and then we all you know feeling like this i'm not saying it's wrong but like why can't we care about people's feelings why they here why do we gotta always be saying all this we never know what a person's going through when after they gone or whatever like even with ourselves you know what i'm saying When when are we going to take a moment to just sit with ourselves and you know, or sit with somebody and 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 get to a place where we're understanding what we're going through as well? I don't know, man. I, I mean, I get it, but I don't get it. It's like I know mental health has become a trend on social media lately but it's still real it's still a real taboo thing when it comes to the quote-unquote black community but let me play this clip and we'll discuss some more all right let me pull it up 
I want to ask a lot of men, I said, why are, why are men most likely uh, to commit suicide? What we know is that a man's deeply held beliefs or his attitudes about what it means to be a man may increase suicide risk. So in other words, however we idealize our masculine identity will have an influence on whether or not we seek help. Most men actually deny needing help. Uh, therapy is still, believe it or not, in 2022, very taboo for a lot of men because of how we feel we will be perceived, which the notion is that that is being perceived as weakness. Uh, when we've sat down and talked to men who have attempted suicide, it always comes back to however they idealize masculinity. So really the only way for us to start to remedy or find a solution or, you know, combat suicide really is to change our narrative. We have to hold each other accountable for how we think about and believe what it means to be a man, but also limiting or shortening uh, this threshold of, okay, I'm in trouble. I'm having suicidal thoughts. Where can I go? Who can I go to for help and getting the help that we need in those critical moments? I want to. Yeah. So everything he said was on point. Like when it comes to black men, everything is tied to our identity of being a man. Um, how much money we got, what kind of car we drive, um, what shoes we got, <laughs> you know what I'm saying, what's the what's the latest shoes we got, clothes, cars, all, you know what I'm saying. Our identity is tied to all external things. You never see too many black men having their identity tied to how, you know, um, how they treat themselves, uh, uh, their family, you know, stuff like that, you know, um, how much, you know, their, their role in the, in the community and stuff like that. That, that ain't cool. That don't get the ladies, you know, at least, you know, what we've been told and on the other end that's what women believe so that's what men going to keep doing you know so these are trendy things we don't talk enough about you know the images that we've been brought up to see um on tv and stuff like that and i know people hate to hear all of this or whatever but it's tied to that you know the things that we see on tv the things that we listen to music stuff like that if you aren't really strong mentally and emotionally, you can be easily manipulated. You can be easily programmed to think that this is how life is supposed to be. This is how you're supposed to present yourself to the world. This is how you're supposed to act towards another black man or how you're supposed to act towards a black woman. How you're supposed to treat yourself. How you're supposed to treat another black man or black woman. You know, all this stuff is tied together. These images, you know, and black men are out here searching. Black men are really out here searching for their identity. Um, and 
a lot of them are tired, are stressed. Um, and then it gets to the point where, like I've said previously, you, you're you just on autopilot. And that's, that's one of the things that I've been told for a while um, from several therapists that I've gone through that, you know, it got to the point where my life just became on autopilot. Um, I don't, I got to the point where, um, (laughs) I mean, I don't even know how to describe it. Like I would just get up and go and everything would be the same routine over, 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 over again. (laughs) And, you know, I didn't really do anything for myself. And um, in the midst of, like, me even trying to um, figure out what my identity was, um, my role in life, uh, what God wanted for me, what God had planned for me, It would be hard to stay focused on that because as a man, you got to make sure you got money in your pocket. You got to make sure you have a good job. You got to make sure you have a home to provide for a family, whether you have that family now or whether you want that family in the future. So it's just that that term. You you just got to do what you got to do, you know, and that's how a lot of men have been raised. You got to do what you got to do. Just recently, I was over at my parents' house, and my dad was, you know, talking about how, you know, a lot of his life was just all about working. He just had to keep hustling. He had to keep hustling. And he was sitting there, you know, trying to basically relay that message on to me. And me and my dad ain't never really had these type of conversations before you know, when I was growing up and stuff like that, you know, my dad was never really at home because he was always working or, you know, hanging out with the the fellas or whatever. So I'm 40, I'm 41 years old and my father trying to have this conversation to me about all this now. And not saying it's a bad thing, but it's just interesting that, you know, he's having this conversation with me now and I've been, you know, on my own living in my own house or whatever for 10 years now. And I don't, from from what I got from his conversation was, is that, you know, uh, he don't see me, he don't, he doesn't see it as, you know, I'm hustling the same way that he was hustling. <laughs> and it's interesting because, like, how would he know? But that's the thing about black men. We don't really have these type of conversations. We don't really talk about these things because it's just like a a situation where all black men are really out here for self. You know, all black men are, uh, are in that race. Trying to figure things out, trying to to get get on with this hustle. But, you know, hearing my dad 
you know, talk about all the things that uh, he's done, the jobs and stuff like that, the things that he's doing now, even with his 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 regular job, and then he got his side job and stuff like that. And I'm sitting here thinking, I'm not trying to live my life like that. I don't want to live my life just working and trying to hustle. I actually want to enjoy life. And I don't have kids right now, but I know I will have one one day. So, like, I'm I'm sitting there like I don't want to be in a situation where I'm just always working and missing out on, you know, my child or whatever. But that's the way our quote-unquote community rolls at times, you know what I'm saying? We always talk about it takes a village, but we only apply that to children. We don't apply that that term or that sentiment to adults. You know, where, when are we going to start, excuse me, when are we going to start having that village for the adults? When are black men really going to start having a, a village for each other and not it be a situation where everybody is out for self or, you know, we competing against each other type situation. But let me move on. I think I got another clip. Um, Yeah, but just while I find the the next clip. But, yeah, just, you know... um, the fact that we we tie all the external things um, to our worth, you know what I'm saying? We look at these things that hustle, how, you know, the, the jobs we work, the things we got, cars, clothes, money, house, all that other stuff. Women, we tie all of that stuff to our worth and we make that our, our, our identity. And a lot of times... Because we've been so um, tied to these these things or this hustle and all that other stuff, we never had our mental state in the right place or in a balanced place. So if we were to lose all of these things, that would bruise the hell of our ego and probably have a lot of us spiraling mentally and emotionally because we only see our identity as these things that can easily be taken away from us. So, yeah. I mean, I was, I think I was talking about it on the last episode and stuff like that and how, you know, um, I didn't really find out what my purpose was or, you know, or really start getting um, in a place of actually um, understanding what my worth was and internally until I lost my job and I was laid off and I was sitting at home and stuff like that, you know. But I found the clip and... Let me pull this. This up. 
And this um this clip is another clip on suicide from a um another therapist that I followed. Uh here we go. Pain, agony and despair where one knows no other way but Hold on, let me start that again because I missed the first couple of seconds. All right, here we go. Suicide comes from deep pain, agony, and despair, where one knows no other way but to end their own life. The idea that it's selfish creates so much stigma. We need to stop judging and start understanding how people get to this emotional rock bottom. Suicide yeah, comes from and deep it's, um, it, it, it is a rock bottom. That's why I say, like, just like there is different severities to physical illness it's the same thing with mental illness like you can't it's an illness like if you have a problem understanding this pick your phone up because i'm probably sure it's already in your damn hand <laughs> do your googles look up what an illness is like come on now people being way too they being assholes point blank period an illness is an illness but um yeah it's it's still a lot uh a stigma around um mental illness and even with the trend of it being on on social media and stuff you know you got a lot of therapists coming out and you know doing what they're doing and a lot of people like myself um doing what they're doing but there's still stigma around it like i say it's still people who act funny with me about me talking about my past struggles with depression and my my struggles with anxiety it's still people act funny about that <laughs> Oh man. Um I'm gonna read this um this tweet. Let me see. Uh um, let me see. <sighs> It says the reason that people hide depression with humor, smiles and joy is because depression repels people. Very few people know how to deal with a depressed person, depressed person effectively. So we mask. The only person I feel comfortable being depressed around is my therapist. And I am married with friends and I am close to my mom. But when I am down, I keep it to myself. And I saw that tweet. I was like, damn, I understand that. <laughs> because, like, I can only truly be 100% honest with my therapist about all of the uh, emotions and stuff that I have. Like, if somebody was really having suicidal thoughts or whatever. You really think that they will they will feel comfortable being open about that? Do you actually think that 
you, the person on the receiving end of this information, actually make the space comfortable for that person to be open about that? Think about that. Like, I don't think there's, we always sit here and say, you know, you never know what somebody going through, talk to somebody and all that other stuff. But are you, the person saying that, (laughs) think about it. Are you actually creating a space or have created a space for a person to be open about their mental health or any mental illness that they, they struggle with? Or any suicidal thoughts or anything. And a lot of people don't have therapists. A lot of people may have a therapist and they don't feel comfortable with that therapist for whatever reason. Whether it's not a good fit or they just haven't opened up yet or anything like that. You know, it's people out here just like this tweet, the person in this tweet said. person said, I'm married. I got friends. I'm close with my mother. And I can't even be honest with them about this. And that's what I'm talking about with the village. Like, we don't have no village for adults. Like, we don't make villages for adults. I don't care how much you want to say, this is my bro, this is my sis, this is my family, and all that other stuff. Man, man, all that shit just be talking. Like, let's be for real. All that shit be talking. I know, like, just with like guys or whatever and black men in particular you know if uh if if he is if he come out and say i love you bro and you know what i'm saying oh i love you dog all that all that other stuff <laughs> the first thing normally uh what we do is nigga are you drunk <laughs> you know what i'm saying and how you think the person on the uh, on the receiving end once they even if they are drunk, even if they are drunk, obviously, you know what I'm saying, them being in that state at that moment allowed them to to bring down their walls and their barriers or whatever, and they was able to say that. Or they just, you know what I'm saying, they said it because they wanted to feel it back from another person, somebody that they feel close to. But, you know what I'm saying, we sit here and make the joke, oh, man, you drunk and all this other stuff. <laughs> So, you know, this is what I'm talking about right here. Do you really, are you really creating or have created a space for a person to be open about these things? You know what I'm saying? Do you actually have a village? These people you call your friends, your bros, your sis, and all that other stuff, your family. Are these spaces really open? Do they feel comfortable? Uh, Y'all supposed to be bros, sis, friends, and whatever. So they should be comfortable, right? But that's just something to think about. I mean, because I think about it all the time. Because I know, you know, I'm not perfect. I make a, I made the joke plenty of times before. Bro, you drunk. Stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? So I know where it comes from. I know where it comes from. Um, where am I at? Uh, All right, let me get back to my my phone. Um, I 
Yeah, but like I was saying, I still get, you know, weird energy or whatever. Like even when I when I first started, you know, being open about it or whatever, like I've had situa- situations or moments around me with people around me, um, they'll say, Do you need you know what I'm saying? If if they if they perceive how I was reacting or responding to something, um and they'll sit there and, and make comments like, you know, do you need to uh, s- schedule a therapy session and stuff like that? You know what I'm saying? Stuff like that. Crazy stuff. So it's definitely difficult for, because especially f- for social media's sake, uh, people will out here make fun of anything, will make jokes about anything. They will talk about any and everybody, but soon as somebody commit suicide or whatever then it's like you never know what somebody going through <laughs> but yeah it, it, it should be stupid man like you want you worried about considering somebody's feelings after they gone or whatever but um I know a lot of times like and this is something that I, I still have difficulty with uh today. Um when I wanna be when I wanna be open with, with people outside of my therapist and stuff like that. I don't wanna feel like a burden. I know that's something that a lot of people feel. A a lot of men feel, a lot of black men feel like they don't wanna be burdens and or that 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 that's a weakness, you know what I'm saying? Vulnerability is bad or you know, um that that's not a man, you know what I'm saying? Um, like I recorded myself talking about something the other day because I didn't want to forget. Um, let me pull that up. All right, here we go. And this is me speaking. Um, I just I I just had this thought pop in my mind so. I recorded myself, so I won't forget it. Here we go. I'm sitting here thinking and just as being a man, we are always taught that we have to control every aspect of our lives, our careers, our households, our families, our relationships, every aspect of our lives, every variable of our lives has to be controlled because we are man. Being a man is about having it all together, being able to fix everything or piece everything together. We're never taught about love. We never really experience love. So we under a constant pressure to always have everything together. We never give any give ourselves any grace, never give ourselves any forgiveness. But this is what society puts on us as well. Even in the workplace, in the homes, in our relationships. That's how the people outside of us look at us 
to us and for us to do, to be under control, to be able to piece things together, to be able to fix things. So we never get to experience love. We don't know how to express love. We're just under constant pressure. Yeah, um, just being a black man, like, we damn near have to be perfect. We got to be perfect in our own homes, with our own women, for our children, and in this white-controlled society. We got to be perfect. We can't have no reactions to anything. We can't express no feelings about anything. We can't. We got to be under constant control of ourselves. We got to have it all together all the time. And this isn't something that just popped up. This is how society has been forever. Like it comes all the way down to we got to suppress our emotions for one, because we don't want to look weak. And two, we don't want to be shot dead in the street or hung or whipped or beat it's a clip that popped up over the weekend well since the weekend last weekend just passed or whatever this black dude um was at the patriots game and um he was a patriots fan and it was this white woman who was a raiders fan that's who the patriots played and the raiders ended up beating the patriots right this white woman was in the crowd berating this black dude all up in his face, cussing, yelling or whatever. The black dude was just standing there, wasn't saying a word or anything. So the owner of the Patriots saw the incident and now he's making that black dude a guest of for the next game. The black dude get to go on the field, probably get to sit in the owner's box and, you know what I'm saying, get the free food, the VIP treatment because he was good. And I'm not saying that that's a bad thing, but it's just an example of how black men have to go through life in society and in their own personal, quote unquote, communities. We got to be perfect. We got to be silent and we got to be under control and on point. And that's a constant pressure for us. Because on society's side, we got to make sure that we always under control and stuff. We can't have no reactions and nothing like that because we got to make sure that we, we can have a job. We got to make sure we have money in our pocket to take care of whatever family we got or whatever. Then in the household, we've already become accustomed to the fact that being vulnerable or open about your feelings is weak. So we got to come in those spaces and pretty much be docile and be able to be a provider 24-7. It's never a moment for us to just 
be vulnerable, to to cry, to feel, to say I need a hug or I need some help right now. We we can't. You know what I'm saying? That's what that's what we've been taught. We can't ask for help. Because that makes us weak. But um I got another clip, but um, yeah, it's it's just a lot of like I I'm a, I'm gonna keep saying this because like there's really we need to have villages for those like we need to just, we need to be for real and 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 realize the the stuff that we're doing with the um. You know, this is my homie. <clears throat> Dang, this is my homie. This is my bro. This is my sis, and all that. This is my family, or whatever. That that ain't enough no more. It's not enough no more. You know, it's just it's just not enough. Because. We heal, you know what I'm saying? Healing comes from within. But that healing can't totally come from just you. You need help from the outside. You need support from the outside. But let me um let me pull up this next clip. And it speaks to more what you know what I've already been talking about. And let me um start this from the beginning. All right. Here we go. Many men are terrified of taking the Superman cape off, that same cape that strangles men to death. Why is it imperative for your husband to leave that cape at the door when he comes home? And how would you make him feel safe enough that he doesn't have to be Superman at home, but he can actually be Clark Kent? I talk often about women. When we tell a man we trust them, we're talking about be faithful. I trust you to be faithful to me, that you won't go and cheat. You won't stray in the relationship or the marriage. And usually when men speak of trusting a woman, they're saying, I'm trusting you with my deepest, darkest secrets, my vulnerabilities. Uh, I feel like a failure today, or I don't know if I can do it. I don't feel strong. I'm not sure. And that you'll never take that and use it against me later. Mm -hmm. If it ever happens, he'll never trust her again. But eventually you learn me as a safe place. Hmm. I have to be that. You have to see, feel like all your senses has to know that I'm a safe place for you. Hmm. Or you'll, I'll never get any of that vulnerability from you. Hmm. Um, they, you have a, a yearning to share and get that off you. I got to tell somebody. And you think the person you're in a relationship is the person you can do that with. Um, and some people do it too soon. And hmm. then it, it is used against them. 
Mm. Uh, but when you find that my lap or my bosom is a safe place, then yeah, when you come in my house, you got to take your shoes off. <laughs> you know, people say, take your shoes off when you come in. Right. You know, it's the same thing with that cape. You got to wear that for the world. I know mm. you have to be strong. Mm. I know you have to be tough. You got to have it all together out mm. there. Mm. But once you darken my doorstep, you don't have to be that. You can be vulnerable. You can be human. Mm. You can be yourself, relax, and be free uh, to just be that man that we both know. I don't mm. care about them outside, but right. what we know you are. Yeah. And that um, that was a clip I came across a couple of days ago. And um, Yeah. I mean, what I've already been saying, it's, it's funny because I don't want to, it's it's always difficult when I do these podcasts because a lot of people think I be a lot of people probably think I'm I I be I'm very open. You know, I'm like what what I be giving y'all on this podcast or on my blog is not even close to half of what I really think go have gone through, go through or whatever. You know. So like I didn't come from a a loving household. Was I loved? Yes, but a loving household, openly loving household? No. Right? And there's a difference. There's a difference between love and loving. You know, there's a lot of people out here that love you, but are they loving towards you? Are they openly expressing that love to you? So like <laughs> Like I said, um, my mom was a very hard woman, and like I already said about my dad or whatever. So I didn't have a household where it was a lot of conversation or affection and stuff like that. And I was the child who needed that. And I didn't get none of that. So that's what essentially a lot of my depression and anxiety comes from it's tied around a lot of that the the loving aspect of things the affection and you know feeling rejected and abandoned in in a lot of places when it comes to my mental and emotional state and it's not to blame my parents or anything because they got it from somewhere right you know what i'm saying this is a cycle this is a cycle a lot of households have these cycles in them and it's like a I think it was it wasn't last year it was probably the year before last but like since I've been going to therapy I've been been more of I've been trying more to be the 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 leader in with my family as far as being open with my love and affection or whatever you know so I would tell my my parents and my brother and stuff from time to time, I love you, but none of them would say it back. <laughs> and it's not funny, but it's funny. You know what I'm saying? Um, I, I would text my parents, I love them and stuff like that, and they would just not say it back. <laughs> and it was just, it was interesting. Um, it's, it's interesting because I know, I know where it comes from and all that other stuff, but you know, it, it, it it is what it is. So you know, I'm not the type of person where I hear I love you. I I don't hear I love you. I don't hear or feel people's 
who who say they love and care about me i don't i don't fear or hear those affections or whatever so you know what i'm saying um that's a struggle for me so like wh- how how would i feel comfortable being open with people you know what i'm saying like that you know what i'm saying and i remember back to the store I, I think it was last year or the year before last um i had a moment where you know what i'm saying I, I was on the phone with my mom and you know um i wanted to be open with her about you know what i was going through or whatever and uh when it came to my my love life right you know what i'm saying and i'm always the person i keep my love life private even from my family um And I was telling her what was going on in my love life and stuff like that. And in the midst of me talking about it, you know, I started to get a little emotional or whatever. And you know what I'm saying? Well, fuck it. It don't matter. Because it is. I started crying. (laughs) I started. It wasn't even the thing of I ain't even I don't even need to sugarcoat it. I was being emotional. Nah, I was crying. I was crying on the phone, you know what I'm saying? Because at that moment, at that particular moment, I was going through it. And I had I was expressing a lot of uh, frustrations, a lot of fears, and um, things I didn't understand, you know, of what was going on with my love life and stuff like that. And in the midst of me doing that, my mother sat there and was like, well, uh, go ahead, get off the phone and get yourself together and call me back. <laughs> <laughs> I can laugh at it now, but when it happened, I was just like, damn, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But it's obvious that, you know what I'm saying, that made her uncomfortable for whatever reason. So I don't fault her or blame her or anything like that. But it's like this sort of speaks to that that clip and a lot of the things I've been saying or whatever, you know. Where are when can a man actually be a human? You know what I'm saying? We tie ourselves to these these labels and all that other stuff. So when is it actually when can a black man actually be a human and feel comfortable being human and actually feel, you know, um validated as a human? Like I said, I don't I don't hear I love you, Derek. I don't hear that. You know what I'm saying? I don't hear that. I didn't grow up hearing that. So for a long time, while I was going through depression and stuff, I didn't love myself. And I didn't notice until, you know, I started going to therapy and stuff like that. And when I started implementing certain things into my, my life, affirmations and stuff like that, I put up on in my on certain mirrors in my house. I love you. So when I felt the need or just randomly look in the mirror and I see those those notes that say I love you, I would tell myself I love you. You know what I'm saying? And it, it's good, but sometimes it still don't feel the same when it's coming from people that, you know what I'm saying, you care about and that you love yourself. And 
it doesn't feel the same when you're always the person that shows care to somebody who is, you know, always checks up on somebody or when you're always um, in the mindset of wanting to protect somebody or, or, or support them or build them up, you know. I find myself a lot, I, I do a lot of reaching out and checking on people and, you know, um, sending people affirmations, sending people books, sending people um, recommendations on, you know, physical health stuff, mental health stuff, you know, all types of stuff, you know what I'm saying? And I always wrestle with that because I'm like, you know, I know I've dealt with trying to people please and do certain things in order so I don't get rejected or get abandoned or or trying to win somebody's love and stuff like that. But at the same time, I used to always hear people used to always tell me how big of a heart I always had when I was a kid and stuff like that. So I know one aspect of it that is truly who I am. I have a big heart and I know um, that I am a person that enjoys helping other people. And I do understand on the other end that I can take that to an extreme based off of certain fears that I have. But in the midst of me wrestling with trying to figure out who is who in those in those moments when I'm doing those things. It all it also sucks when I don't receive that back from the same people that I'm giving that to. So then that will add on, you know, more to what I'm already maybe going through in in that moment internally. And something just popped up in my mind that I wanted to uh, address as well. And just thinking about uh, being a black man and being being a provider and making sure you have yourself together on the outside with you know um a job car house and all that other stuff i got all those things right and when you have all those things you have to maintain those things you want to keep those things right you want to keep those things because um you you are going to have some form of attachment towards them depending on what you had to go through to to get those things Right. Me getting my house was one of the proudest moments of my life. So when I lost my job, uh, when I got laid off from my job um, in 2016, that was one of the biggest fears I had. You know, that was probably the biggest fear I had. Am I going to lose my house? You know, because I worked hard to get this house and I made some sacrifices um, to get this house. And. Just me thinking about, you know, the different therapists that I had over the years and how they would stress the importance of me doing things for myself and stuff like that. And also being open to receive things from other people. And it had me thinking about, you know, um, just being a man and making sure that you maintain and keep the things that you have that just speaking on me personally how stressful that would be and in the midst of you know 
making sure you paying bills and all that other stuff. And then, excuse me, me being a man that lives alone or whatever, everything is all on me. So, you know, I might not always have the money to do things for myself or whatever. And that could be a frustrating moment because I would I would sit there and, you know, already in a depressed state on or depressed mindset or anxious about, you know, you know, the money, paying the bills or whatever, you know. But then also, okay, it's time, you know, you wanna do something, you know, I'm I'm learning these new things and therapy and, you know, reading and learning things about doing for yourself and, you know, treating yourself, self care and all that other stuff. But then you sit back and be like, damn, well, should I put this this money towards a bill or should I do something for myself? Well, if I do something for myself, you know, last time you did that, you know what I'm saying? You you had the you had the uh you can do nothing for yourself um for the next couple of months because you had the, you know what I'm saying, make sure you you replenish your savings or something like that. So this just adds on more stress, more depression and stuff like that. And that's something that I don't know like if all black men go through, but I know I've gone through and I've heard of I heard about other stories, you know what I'm saying, that was um shared with me about other black men going through the same things. They they so stressed about actually doing something for themselves or being in that, that self care mindset because they wanna make sure they maintain the lifestyle that they're living or maintain the things that they have. And those things aren't really things of pleasure, miscellaneous pleasure. They're the things that you're supposed to, you got to make sure you have. You know what I'm saying? You got to make sure you have a roof on your head. You got to have clothes on your back and all that food in your in your fridge and stuff like that. So it's just like this constant stressor of, oh, I got to do this. I got to do that. But I can't do this and I can't do that. <laughs> So, yeah, that's something that I wanted to make sure that I, I talked about, too, because I know it could be uh, difficult. Um, like, shoot, one of my, one of my, um, I ain't going to say his name, but one of my boys, he just, he just texted me the other day. He was like, this is the first time he ever had a massage in his life. First time ever he had a massage in his life. And that was a gift to him, you know? So I know that's that's one thing that I have to do better of, um, you know, doing for doing those things for myself and also um, being open to receive it from other people. And I, you know what I'm saying, I hope that that resonates with other black men that's listening to this, um, or even the women that's listening to this, and you got a man that's, you know, working hard and stuff, and, you know, that's just not something on our radar to do do things for ourselves. I see a lot of black men talk about that. We don't, that's just something we don't do. And then the fact that we aren't, we aren't privy to a lot of things like, you know, women are, as far as the self-care things, and that's, just trying different things you know 
men's focus is only on the money and the career purpose da 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 you know what i'm saying so um men have to be um introduced to these things and like i'm perfect example like um i have to be introduced to new things or whatever because i'm so routine based you know what i'm saying i'm so routine based but um let me see where i'm at can't believe i'm doing the podcast in the morning um yeah it was something that i came across that wasn't necessarily about suicide or mental mental health so to speak but i came across um a tweet talking about you know society and how they look at people who um who are quote-unquote lazy And let me read this tweet. Because it started off, somebody said depression isn't an excuse to be lazy, but to each his own. And this was just two days ago. So you see people still have this this stigma around mental illness. And it's just a lot of people just don't understand and say stupid shit like this. So somebody responded to that person and they said one day we'll abandon the use of the the word lazy when we realize it's capitalistic and a measure of productivity by how much you contribute to the society you live in. And it's usually used to describe people who suffer with mental illnesses. And I, I remember like I had a stretch of years in my life where I got called lazy a lot by my parents. And then that and I ended up finding out years later when I started going to therapy that that was the start of me suffering from depression. But I only knew it as me being lazy. So in turn, I held that that label on me for a long time. And it's almost like it got so, it got branded on me so much that I started to believe in myself. So I started living that. And when I started going to therapy and understanding, you know, um, what I what I was going through and what I've been through and I was able to go back and look at a lot of things that went on in my life a lot of that quote unquote laziness was just straight up depression straight up depression and that's why you see a lot of people out here not just black men black women too And I'm speaking solely to our quote unquote community and how we put so much pressure on ourselves to have a certain amount of money, to have this job, to have so many degrees and stuff like that. And we push ourselves so much and never really, we push ourselves so much for this quote unquote success and 
because for one, we don't want to look lazy. We want to be able to show off. And then when you get into these these situations or whatever, you'll you'll see you'll see you've seen these memes and and little quotes and cliches all over social media of how um, I got everybody got the same twenty four hours. I sleep when I die. Such and such such. What do you think that's doing to somebody's mental health that already think that they're a lazy person, but really ain't a lazy person? I understand there's lazy people out here. I get that. But there are people out here that are looked at as being lazy, considered lazy, labeled lazy. But just suffering from a mental illness. And don't know how to pull themselves up out of it. Every time I went to a therap a new therapist and we started discussing the things that, you know, I was going through and why I was here and all that other stuff, all of them always said the same thing. Oh, you just need to get over the hump. You in a space where you just need to get over the hump. I've always been capable of doing any and everything that I wanted to do. And it, it's to the point where a lot of times when I was in depression and and I was still functioning. Things would just certain things that I would learn or 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 certain assignments I would do or whether it's at school or work or whatever. It was nothing to me. It took no time. All the the knowledge and stuff was there. I just didn't have the the will to do it. You know, perfect example. So here's, here's me telling something that maybe only a couple people know. When I was in middle school, elementary, middle school, whatever, honor roll all the damn time. When I got to high school, I was in the honor honor program or whatever because of how good I did in middle school. I got to high school and... If you are a longtime listener of the show or reader of my blog, you know that my depression started when I started high school. So when I got to high school, I only made the honor roll one time out of the four years that I was there. And that one time I made the honor roll was because my mom said, you can't get your license unless you make the honor roll. So I made the honor roll because <laughs> I wanted to get my license. As soon as I got my license, boom, right back down, no honor roll. But the crazy thing about it was every report card that wasn't on the honor roll was always a 2.86. And during that time, when I was in high school, 2.86 was just basically one one grade away from making the honor roll, getting the 3.0. It was always just that one one, gr one grade, whether it's that one C that needed to be a B or that one B that needed to be an A to give me that 3.0 every time. So it wasn't that I wasn't capable. <laughs> I just didn't have the will. I was depressed in high school. So fast forward to college. That's when I was the most severely depressed when I was in college. 
first couple of years of college, freshman, sophomore year, I was doing horrible. I had no sense of myself or anything. Like, I just went to school, went to work, and went home. Like, I didn't care about nothing. I was a commuter. I didn't stay on campus. So that was probably the most, some of the saddest moments and times of my life during that time. So I don't know what happened. Like, I don't know what, I guess it was just one of those moments and times where I was out of my, out of my depressed moments, like my junior and senior year. I made the dean's list three times. Like it was, it was. Uh, I made the honor roll probably like four or five times in 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 that span. My junior senior year, I'm a extra. I'm an extra senior because of the depression that I gone through through the my my freshman and sophomore years. How I was so depressed, it prolonged me being in college a little longer. But I guess during my junior senior year. I had a moment where I wasn't so depressed. I can't really pinpoint what went on then. I will have to sit back and think about that. But long, long story short, like I said, I made the dean's list several times in that in that period. Uh, you know what I'm saying? I was just a grade away from getting the 4.0 at least two times in that in that span or whatever. So, like I said, it was never a thing of me being lazy or not being capable. I was just depressed. So even after I got out of college or whatever, I'm working my job and all that other stuff, I would have depressed moments where I would call off work because I was depressed or I would go to work and wouldn't do nothing because I was depressed. Just, you know what I'm saying? It was just, uh, this is the only thing that I knew. So it would appear that I was lazy or I didn't, you know what I'm saying? I didn't care or whatever, but I was just depressed. And this was all, this was the only thing I knew. And I wasn't getting help at that time, you know? So I thought that was interesting when I came across that tweet and how, you know, I know that's a thing because I've experienced it plenty of times before about the laziness and how it can be tied to depression and stuff like that. But um, let me play this clip. I, I feel like I played this clip before. I really do think that I played this clip before. But I think it just speaks to more and more of, um, you know, what black men go through and, you know, how they internalize a lot of the things that they're going through and don't really have anyone to speak to or, you know, and just don't feel feel comfortable being open and vulnerable still or even they they just don't have there's they don't have a village and they don't have a a space that's open for them to to really feel like a human let me play this clip When a man does not feel appreciated in the area of his presence, he becomes a version of a man that he can give you and still survive. And I promise you, you will not like that version. That version of him is silent, frustrated, sharp with his words, non-communicative, because he has to become something that he can survive in. Yeah, I mean, 
like I was saying, it's a lot of us black men out here that's on autopilot. We just we just surviving. We not living. We not being. We're just surviving. You know? Just straight up surviving. And um I want to say that, you know what I'm saying, to the black men out there that listen to this podcast, and make sure you share this with another black man, because you just never know who it will help. I remember when I um, had a speaking engagement at the um, the ATF, and it was for um, Minority Mental Health Month, and I remember um, after I spoke, or I was on the panel or whatever, um, this older black guy came up to me he was talking about how you know what I said really um touched him or whatever and how he was saying he understood that you know how it is difficult to really express your feelings and and like the difference between thoughts and feelings and how men don't really Men and people, period, don't really understand the difference between a thought and a feeling and how, you know, we suppress our feelings a lot. And I don't know, uh, you know what I'm saying, I don't know what happened since that for that for that guy, but, you know, I hope it helped him in some way. And just, you know, uh, a couple of days ago, um, I got asked about um, therapy and my therapist because um, – Another black male wanted or felt as though that he needed to go talk with somebody. And and I get that a lot, you know, um, from the podcast and from the blog. Um, guys that I've went to that I went to high school with and they will send me messages and stuff like that and say, you know, thanks for doing what you're doing or thanks for being open and, and stuff like that or whatever. And so I know it's like a lot of black men going through it, you know, um, just from my experiences and stuff that I see other black men that are therapists or are mental health advocates are saying the same things. We all are saying the same things, but we've just had different experiences. Um, but, yeah, depression is not always about looking or feeling sad you know what i'm saying it's a lot of functioning highly functional people out here that are depressed or dealing with some sort of mental illness anxiety or whatever you know it could be the signs of 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 these mental illnesses can be bad eating habits excessive sleeping you know lack of motivation you know, being easily irritated or angered, you know, always angry or always irritated, you know, low self-esteem, no no um, drive, no joy in your life, anything, you know, always complaining, stuff like that. It, it could be a lot of things, like just don't, I think a lot of times we're so, just because the fact that we haven't been taught anything about mental health or mental illness coming up as kids and throughout school and in our families and stuff like that. We look at sadness or 
being angry and stuff like that in, in, in moments or in random moments as just being routine. And it's not routine. It's not routine. It's not just something that people go through. No. It could be something serious with that, you know? And um, With that back and forth with the black men and black women when it comes to this, I, I saw some nasty shit online when it came to this like because people was posting certain stuff about black men when it comes to suicides and the rates in comparison to black women black i saw certain black women commenting and stuff and getting mad about it and saying why is it got to be this competition and all this it's not even about that they was just showing the disparities of the percentages and that they're supposed to be a highlight of how black men are suffering not about a competition or we so caught up into who's the blame and who needs help the most and all this other stuff that we don't really understand that we are dying out here like we it, it just pisses me off <laughs> it pisses me off because i'm just like you got the hashtag protect black women protect hashtag protect black men hashtag protect black people hashtag protect the black family if any if any if we're gonna get anywhere we're gonna move forward we have to communicate i don't understand how people think that not communicating you're gonna move forward with something or you're gonna have some progress i don't i don't understand this but um the revolution starts with us coming together. That's where it starts. It starts with us coming together. And we have to learn how to be a, a real community to each other. We always talk about this culture and this community and all that other stuff. That's bullshit. You know what I'm saying? That's all that's all cliche shit. We don't have we need a village. Like we need a true village. We gotta stop waiting for these tragedies to since we wanna be all caught up in these cliches and stuff, before we give people their flowers. You know what I'm saying? You don't have to you don't have to be a professional to be there for somebody you don't have to be a therapist or a psychologist or a psychiatrist or a doctor or a counselor or a social worker to just sit with somebody to be an ear to somebody to go out with somebody take somebody out buy him a gift send him a text call him on the phone we don't understand how much these things can count like i told you i talk about my you know my family my household and all that other stuff man so my extended family is pretty much the same way we aren't all that close or whatever so yesterday um i went and got my mail i had a christmas card 
I saw that the Christmas card was from one of my cousins on my mom's side. I opened it up. It was a picture of her and her daughter and their dog or whatever. It was for the holidays. Happy holidays. Man, that 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 joint made my day. The fact that me, me and her are cool, but we don't talk regularly, you know. But that made my day that she thought about me. She thought about me enough to send me that card with the pictures on it. Because I know those, I know them jumps that are expensive. I know those jumps are expensive. And she went and sent me one. I sent her a text, you know what I'm saying? I told her that, you know, it made my day. You know, I told her how beautiful they looked in the pictures and everything. That made my day. And that was something that some people would look at as so small. But it was big. It it filled me up that she thought about me. She thought about me. And that's something that I'm not used to. So... You know, just think about those things, especially around the holiday time. Like, that will probably be one of the best gifts I get this this holiday. You know what I'm saying? Because it was just something so unexpected, something that I just would have never thought somebody would have done for me. And then, you know, like I said, we cool and everything, but we don't talk regularly. But... The fact that she went out of her way to do that, that was a beautiful thing to me. So just think about the people in your life. Think about the things that people have done for you without asking for anything in return. Think, I don't think, I think we, we, it's all, we all love to have a good time and hang out with certain people or whatever, your friends, associates, family, whatever you want to call them. But think about those people that you don't think about often that's always doing something for you. It may not be y'all going to have a drink or going to brunch or happy hour or going to a party or the club or whatever. Think about those people that send you a nice quote to get your day started. Think about those people who send you books because they want to see you do better. Think about those people who support you in any type of way outside of it just being about some drama or some some type of... Um, I don't want to, some type of fun extracurricular activity. I'm not saying that those things don't matter, but think about the people who really try to build you up. Think about the people who really want to see you win. But um, where I'm at, I think I'm pretty much done. I just can't believe I did a, a podcast this early. Um, it was almost to the point where my energy, my energy was kind of off because I wasn't in my routine, but you got to break the routine sometimes. Uh, one of the things that my therapist that I got now, she said to me, she said, every week I want you to do something that you don't normally do. Cause you know, I'm, um, I'm, I'm, I'm in the routine a lot. I'm so stuck into my routines and she knows about that you know i don't i'm I, I spend a lot of time alone and you know just i know being a man and 
a black man and seeing um, how we got how we always on that autopilot mode and we always in our routines of just going to work and coming home or whatever else we got sprinkled into that routine or whatever that it will it doesn't really help us to progress it doesn't help us to grow it doesn't help us to evolve in in the in that healing process because we're so stuck into that routine into our autopilot modes and stuff like that so we will always be kind of stuck in a state of of sadness so to speak sadness or depression and stuff like or anxiety because we always stuck into those those routines in that autopilot mode we don't do anything outside of what we're always used to doing or what we feel as though we gotta do or what society tells us to do but you know i'm here I'm here for anybody, you know, um, any black man out there, I'm here for y'all, you know, because I get it. I understand, you know, it ain't even got to be a thing of us um, just talking about the problems and the drama or whatever. We can build a village and our village ain't got to be just focused on making money moves. You know what I'm saying? It could be actually on building a, a true friendship or you know family outside of blood family type situation because that is not there i i don't care how much y'all want to call each other bros sisters or family or whatever we don't have no no village there isn't any village and if if there is a quote-unquote village it's all about some damn trying to make some money all the time and then we just leaving everything else on the back burner and then eventually those villages of just making money are going to fall to the wayside because people are struggling with their mental and emotional health or they in a sense of I got to compete with this person or I got this jealousy toward this person or I got this envy toward this person and these things come up due to the mental illnesses that we already dealing with. Well, I think I'm going to end it off here. I'm pretty sure I had some other stuff to say, but I feel like this is a, a good way to end. And, yeah. This is a Taste to Consider podcast. I'm your host, Derek Silver. I'm on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher. Um, I didn't record this for YouTube because I just wanted to get to it. I just had to get to it. But um, I plan on uh, coming back, doing the episode before the new year. But, shit, that's only a week away, honestly. So by the time I record the next episode, it probably will be the the calendar new year not the real new year <laughs> y'all know i had to throw that in there but um let me make sure this is the end of what i was going to say um yeah i think this is cool now let me let me let me point this out um 
it's this show on uh Netflix, and I'm gonna end it off with this. It's a show on Netflix called Last Chance You. And this particular one is the basketball version of Last Chance You. There's two versions. There's the uh, Last Chance You football and the Last Chance You basketball. So basically what the documentary docuseries is about is uh, junior college. They, it's not the same junior colleges for each season on the football one. Um, but it's different junior colleges um, where these athletes are trying to get they trying to get to uh, a D1 school or they trying to get back to a D1 school. And this particular season on the last chance you basketball version, this is season two. And this is something I already noticed about the show on both versions of it and how how these these um, young black kids the struggles that they have, the the mental struggles that they have. You know, a lot of them had some hard, tough lives. Parents weren't there or, you know what I'm saying, whatever. You know what I'm saying? I watched the show. But this, but the reason I'm bringing it up is because what I noticed on season two of The Last Chance You basketball one was how it, a lot of the kids on there – Cause they go through the they go through their basketball season and they chronicle certain portions of their life with the school and how they living and stuff like that. A lot of the young black boys on there, a lot of the young black men on there, had mental struggles, but it was never addressed. And how do I know? Like I said, I'm not a licensed therapist or counselor, but I know enough. And a lot of these young black men with dealing with mental issues they they struggle with controlling their their emotions they didn't know how to express themselves i saw a lot of me in my 20 in my teen my late teens and 20s in these dudes and it was just sad to see that how they didn't have any male guidance and even like they had their coaches or whatever and their coaches would 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 try you know, but it's only so much that they could do. And do I feel like those coaches could have tried a little bit harder? Yes, I do. And I feel like a lot of times when it comes to those that sports stuff, you know, people just be only caring about winning and, and stuff like that. So they they I've seen it plenty of times, even when I was playing sports, like they will let certain things slide in order just so they can win a game and stuff like that. And it was just sad to see this season and how a lot of those dudes just had mental and emotional issues. So make sure you check that that joint out. Um, Last Chance You, the basketball one. Um, I would say start with the basketball one. There's only been two seasons. There's not a lot of episodes and it's a very it's a very good docu series. It's filmed very well and everything. Everything about the the docu series is good. I would say watch the uh, the basketball one because it's only two seasons. With the football one, I think it's been like three or four seasons. But start with the basketball one just because I'm referencing it. But yeah, I'm out of here. Taste to consider podcast. The Taste to consider network on Instagram. Um, greatest I am blog on. Uh, 
No, greatestiamblog.com. That's my uh, mental health blog. Um, Instagram, greatest.i.am.blog. And, um, yeah, share, like, all that good stuff. Download the podcast. Listen to it. Undownload it, you know, for number's sake. And shout out to all the uh, listeners, new listeners and viewers and stuff like that. You know, um, I got my Spotify rap numbers for the podcast. Um and I'm still making progress, still growing and stuff like that, um, even despite my inconsistency this year. But I think that might be what my uh, my next episode is going to talk about. I, I feel like I want to just share with people some of the, the things that I go through with uh, this podcast because you see a lot of bullshit about um, podcasts. It is some people out here that shouldn't be getting behind the mic, and it is a lot of people just getting behind the mic talking bullshit. But I ain't one of them, you know what I'm saying? I put a lot of time, effort, and thought into each and every episode. So I think I, I think that's what the next episode is going to be. I think that will be my going out of the the this year and going into the new year. My That episode will be just about, you know, some of the things that I've experienced since I've been podding and stuff like that. Some short and sweet. So, um... Yeah, appreciate all y'all, you know what I'm saying, all the people in the other countries that listen to the podcast. I appreciate y'all, you know. Um, yeah, let's let's keep growing. I can only grow without y'all help, you know. So if you support me in any way, you know what I'm saying, when it comes down to it, I can't tell nobody how to support me, but I do appreciate whatever support you give me. So this is Derek Silver. I'm out. It's a taste to consider a podcast. Let's go.